welcome to Relationship Rewind on WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, a show where we rewind relationships in popular media and break down behaviors that are often considered normal, but are actually based in power, control, and abuse. I'm your host, Carrie Clark, she, her pronouns, the youth educator and advocate, Next Step Domestic Violence Project. Often, young people are expected to just know how to be in relationships in healthy and equal ways, but no one is born knowing that information. We learn through the examples of relationships given to us, and one place we see these examples is in the media we watch. That's why this show uses media like movies and TV shows as tools to recognize and start conversations about harmful and unhealthy behaviors in the relationships portrayed. But this is not to pass judgment on the media that we're discussing. Our goal is to invite young people in Maine to voice their thoughts, opinions, and experiences around what they've seen in media and how it has impacted them or the people they know. Every month, our guest speaker chooses a piece of media where they've noticed some of these behaviors being normalized, and we discuss their thoughts and experiences and how this has impacted them. There are sensitive materials in and spoilers of the media we discuss. Our guest this month is Pepin, he, them pronouns, WERU's digital media coordinator. Our conversation around the 1978 film Grease centers around the themes of misogyny, vulnerability, and communication that Pepin noticed while watching the film back, and about some of the ways our culture and society have changed, and maybe more importantly, not changed in the years since the film's release. As a bit of background, Grease depicts the lives of Greaser, Danny, and Australian transfer student, Sandy, who end up at the same high school following a brief summer romance and the challenges they face during the school year. If you would like to reach out to us for support or more information, please call Next Steps 24-7 and free helpline at 1-800-315-5579. If you'd like to reach out for support but you're not sure who to call, you can call 211 to find which resource may be helpful for you and to be connected with them. I'd like to now introduce Pepin for a discussion around Greece. So our show does focus on breaking down some of the relationships that are shown in media where actions between partners are not really super healthy, but it's being shown in ways that are kind of idealized or might make those behaviors seem normal or even romantic. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with this growing up? For sure. I definitely watched a lot of movies growing up. My family was a big movie family. After dinner, we would all just kind of unwind with a movie or a TV show. Almost every day was a new episode of a TV show or a movie. So I I watched a lot of content and it was definitely eye-opening to get to my teenage years and to my college years and understand just how much those movies influenced me, even though my family is quite progressive and quite supportive, I still had a lot of internalized misogyny, a lot of internalized homophobia, and that prevented me from coming out myself until I was, you know, in my 20s. And I can attribute that a lot to culture and more specifically to movie culture, because that was really the culture I was exposed to. It's funny how, like you said, you had grown up in kind of a more progressive household. And even though, you know, we might have had that support growing up, it's still, this isn't stuff that we just are born knowing. And when we are consuming media, that's telling us one thing, we tend to kind of run with that because it is popular and it is part of the culture. We learn from those things what maybe aren't or are okay or normal, and it can kind of prevent us from 
being who we are truly or who we would like to be, especially when it comes to relationships. We think, well, these people are fighting or ignoring each other. So that must be what relationships are and what they're supposed to be like. Precisely. Or at a baseline, even the very first thing that I struck me when I rewatched Greece that we're going to be talking about was it opens with this white heterosexual couple on a beach, which is kind of this idealized idea of what a romantic relationship should look like. And straight off the bat, it was like, this is the goal you should achieve in your romantic relationship, which is a false idea. You know, it should be whatever it, it should be in, in your own healthy way. So. I did notice that too. It's very interesting to say the least, the idealized version of relationships in the film. And I specifically recall at one point during the dance scene where he says couples have to be boy-girl couples. And it was like, wow, because today, you know, we've kind of grown as a society where that isn't something that maybe you would see happening as a rule. And in some places it very much still is. So I think that's definitely something to note, but it's definitely very, very noticeable when you watch the film back. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that is the environment that you sit in. Like, you know, that was true to that era. You know, it was relatable to the young people of that era. And it felt cathartic to watch that and be relating to it because that was what people experienced. And I went to college at a very progressive college, and that really opened my horizons completely, even beyond my progressive upbringing of what romantic relationships could look like, what couples could look like, what gender could look like, all the aspects of humanity that exist. And I certainly wasn't going to get that from mainstream movie culture. Definitely not. Uh, The film came out in 1978. So we are talking about a very long time ago. And I think certainly I watched this when I rewatched it with my daughter. And it's very interesting to see young people watching it today versus when I watched the film at that age. Like you said, it was a very normal thing. The white cisgendered ideal couple and the behavior behaviors in that relationship, this is hailed as this great love story and you're rooting for the main couple to get together in the end. And my daughter was absolutely furious that they ended up together and she had a lot of questions about that behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was looking up pieces of the whole progression of events of the the musical into the movie. And I guess originally it was a book, but was adapted into a musical, but it was very gritty and dark and dramatic and vulgar and had a lot more dark themes to it, which makes a lot more sense for the sort of storyline and the content of like, it's not something that was necessarily uplifting that sort of behavior or mentality, but it was something that was, you know, this can't, this is a reality for some people even though it's dark and difficult and hard and scary and it was relatable in those ways but it feels like the movie took that and made it all just like no this is the way it should be we took away the really dark gritty aspects of it but we left the themes of sexual assault and the kind of overarching theme and lesson of the movie that in order to make a relationship work one of the members of the couple has to change completely for the other person and that's like the final lesson of the movie that's the final takeaway which is insane to me now, but I'm sure felt very true for people back then. 
I think that's right. I think that in the 70s and 80s, this was something that was very normalized. But I think that it is still very normalized today in ways that we don't necessarily notice. I think that the culture has changed a lot and progressed in ways that make these behaviors less acceptable and more talked about. But I do think that they are still idealized in some ways or maybe brushed off in some ways. And I think that a large part of that has to do with the media and how we see relationships portrayed. Yeah, I, I would agree that the themes are not quite as obvious or pushed quite as hard, but they definitely still exist. You know, those themes of ownership over your partner, generally masculine owning over the feminine partner or something like that, that sort of misogyny that exists very strongly in Greece, but certainly still exists in a lot of other media culture, just a little bit more subtly. We've touched on the fact that these things are happening in Greece. Is there a specific example that you can think of from the movie where you see these sort of, you know, misogynistic behaviors happening, or you mentioned the sexual assault culture being kind of normalized. Are there certain things that took place in Greece that really kind of struck home for you? Absolutely. There was many, honestly. I feel like the classic one that I hear a lot about Greece is the line in that Tell Me More song, whereas, you know, Tell Me More, Tell Me More, Did She Put Up a Fight? which is just this quick line that goes by, but it's obviously making it clear that they're asking, did you try to force yourself on her? And was she into it? And that being the okay thing to think about in sexual relationships or romantic relationships, which <laughs> blows me away. But then there's plenty of others of like, you know, in that same scene, there's a, a high school boy who is looking up girls' skirts and how that is pretty well brushed off and kind of normalized in a way. And like, oh, it's just, you know, playing around. Or um, near the end of the film, when the main two characters are at a drive-in theater and they're having a connection, kind of some of the most real connection that I've seen between them in most of the film. And then suddenly he tries to sexually assault her, essentially. And that being portrayed as essentially the normal thing to do. You know, you want something in this relationship and the way that you get it is you take it. You don't communicate. You don't figure out what you want together or something like that. You just to try to take it. Yeah, I think that's something that happens pretty much throughout the film. You mentioned yeah. the drive-in scene where, you know, they've just come from this big dance scene where there was an event that happened where Sandy ended up leaving and then it's kind of brushed off and it's not talked about and then yeah. they are talking about it in the car and he's saying, well, like, you know, I, I said I was sorry on the phone and, you know, he's kind of very much invalidating how she was feeling about it and then when she sort of starts to come around he immediately just kind of goes for it and like you said he forces himself on her and she's made it very clear several times already in the film that she is not comfortable with that kind of interaction even in the yeah. very first scene where they're saying goodbye after the summer and they're kissing goodbye and it's all sweet and romantic and then he starts to take it too far and she says you know you're ruining it and he invalidates her then and 
says, I'm not ruining it, I'm making it better. But she has already told yeah. him, I'm uncomfortable. Precisely. There was a lot of those lines sprinkled throughout that I don't hear anymore, which is some of that sort of progression in culture is some of the language has changed and the language has been agreed upon as not being, you know, okay, which is, you know, in that first scene, yeah, they said, I don't want to spoil it, um, yes. which, you know, has this element of like something being spoiled, something being messed up, ruined, gone forever, or something like that. The idea of purity and virginity, I guess, of there being any idea of something that can be spoiled. And then later on, they keep saying stuff about, did she put out or something like that, which I don't hear much anymore in my circles, at least. And then later on as well, there was the, the mention of sloppy seconds, I think when it came to the side character of Riz, which is another phrase I don't feel like I hear anymore. So this definitely goes to show that there is some progress, but who knows how much. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of things in here. And I mean, again, it was the 70s, it was the 80s, and things like sloppy seconds and putting out and the notion of this was owed to somebody. And you mentioned taking something when you want it. And it's just that idea of having that right to somebody's body or their virginity. Yeah. And it's not the case. And it's not okay to feel like you have that right over somebody's person. And it is awesome that we have come so far, but I feel like there's definitely a ways to go still. Definitely. I mean, uh, for the most part, I feel like the language has progressed, but it's mostly changed. There's new language for those, you know, flawed ideals. If you're just joining in, this is Relationship Rewind on WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill. I'm your host, Carrie Clark, and today we have Pepin on to talk about the 1978 film Grease. Uh, is there another example of maybe some behaviors that you noticed, some unhealthy behaviors, um, not necessarily even with Sandy and Danny, because I know there's a lot of other some side things going on too. Definitely. Well, there are elements of grooming, essentially, of like an older man, younger woman, for the most part in the film, and that being an idealized thing, which is... <laughs> was very uncomfortable and definitely something that is still a part of culture and how that's a thing that still exists for sure. Are you referring to Fontaine? So the host of the National Bandstand, yes. he is this older gentleman and he is an, I cannot remember the girl's name, the high school student. And she's very enamored of him, right? Because he's this famous, handsome person and he's paying her attention. Right. And then it's kind of like this comedic thing in the movie and this exactly. very okay thing where when it's happening to you, you might feel like I'm getting this attention from this famous person. And if you really think about it, if this was, you know, anybody else at that age, it would be creepy. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking of. How do you think watching something like that might impact somebody who doesn't maybe have the background knowledge to know that that behavior isn't okay for an older person to be acting that way towards a younger person? The main problem is the power dynamic. I mean, there isn't a inherent negative quality to age gap relationships other than there is always going to be an obvious power dynamic between the couple. And there's always going to be this difference that is extremely difficult to overcome. And 
especially when one of them is is a minor. I mean, you know, a high school student who hasn't graduated yet. And I think that it can be very easy to see stuff like that and to, if something like that is happening to you, to believe that sort of situation might be your fault if you're the younger person. Whereas, you know, it's always going to be the majority responsibility to the person who has more experience, more worldly knowledge, and has a lot more say in what happens, a lot more power in the situation. It's always going to be far more their responsibility to be a responsible human being. Somebody who is maybe experiencing this and watches a film where it's portrayed as okay, or like you said, um, the responsibility is on the minor for pursuing this older person, they might start to think that, okay, well, this is okay. This is normal. I pursued them. This is on me. Whereas if we were watching a version of this on a film where this was not okay, and something was done about it or said about it in the same situation that young person watching might think, this isn't okay and maybe I should let somebody know or get some help. Yeah, being portrayed in such a humorous way where it's supposedly a totally normal and just kind of funny and quirky situation. The same is true. You know, you mentioned the scene, the summer loving scene where the boy is looking up the girl's skirt and it's just kind of this funny thing that gets brushed off. Whereas if that actually happened, it would not be funny or okay at all. Yeah, exactly. Can you think of any other examples from Greece that you noticed of maybe some not so great things that were being made to look glorified or romantic? Well, I think the thing I haven't touched on yet, there were very big themes of toxic masculinity throughout the whole thing, portraying what it means to be a good male person. You know, the whole idea of treating your woman right and that sort of stuff. And how one of the big takeaways that I saw was vulnerability is very hard and very bad. And that being a major theme of the whole film of like, whenever it came up, it was like there was a moment of slight vulnerability between the main couple or maybe two of the male characters in it or something like that. But it was immediately brushed off and kind of like moved on and thrown, thrown away. And how essentially the overall theme could have been so good. You know, it could have been a movie that was this... <laughs> probably traumatized high school guy in a gang who kind of becomes more sensitive with, you know, the connection to this girl, which has its own problems of like, you have to deal with your own stuff and not rely on others to try to fix you or, or solve your own emotional, psychological stuff. But it could have had a good theme, but essentially that was thrown out at the end completely when it was, you know, no, you can stay the way that you are in your flawed ideals of the world and your toxic masculinity and your rape culture, essentially, and I'll change to fit you. And that was the, the finale of the film. That was the takeaway at the end. Just, just completely like threw everything out that hadn't really been worked on, but was, you know, there were elements of it here and there throughout the film of almost uh, stepping on something that was almost most positive and good and going in the right direction and then completely backtracking. Yeah, toxic masculinity in this film is very rampant. And mm -hmm. you mentioned too, there are several times where the different characters, um, Danny being one, Leo, the other kind of male, 
lead character in this where they have that kind of moment of vulnerability and then once they realize it's happening they kind of you know try to play it cool and brush it off for example when they're kind of talking before the big race at the end and they start kind of like talking about their friendship and they're like laughing and you know start to kind of get kind of touchy and then they realize the other three boys are watching and they pull their combs out and they're walking away all cool like nothing's happening and it happens throughout the film where especially Dan will start to be vulnerable or emotional and then he'll notice that his friends are watching and he completely backs off from that the first time Danny and Sandy meet at the pep rally after they haven't seen each other this happens you know you notice that his first reaction to seeing her is excitement he's so happy to see her and then he looks behind him and his friends are watching and he turns into this completely different person yeah, so mm-hmm. so there's elements of that on both sides of the the final theme of the film being the girl changing herself completely to fit the boy, and then also mm-hmm. throughout the film the boy changing himself to fit cultural expectation of the world around him at that time. Yeah, I think ending in a way that is absolutely sending a very clear message that you should change who you are to fit your relationship or that other person, not because you want to change or because you feel like change is a good thing for you, but you feel that it's necessary in order to continue this relationship to make the other person happy. And we see that both ways, you know? Danny starts trying out for all these sports because instead of focusing on the behavior that he needs to change, he's focusing on, okay, well, maybe if I'm a jock, then things will be different and she'll like me again because I'm running track. (laughs) And it works. precisely, yeah. How do you think that that might impact, you know, the young people watching who, again, they, if they're not growing up knowing that this behavior isn't okay, specifically changing who you are to fit somebody else so that you can be in this relationship to make this relationship work, how do you think that might impact somebody watching Grease? Oh, yeah. The themes in movies that are kind of geared towards teenagers, high school students or around that that sort of age that Greece is absolutely geared for. It's always, where do I belong? How do I fit into the world? Because I certainly have that experience. I didn't know how I fit into the world at that age at all. And having those themes of the way that you fit into the world is you change yourself to fit the world. You have to puzzle piece yourself into something that isn't necessary you in order to belong you know Grease the movie has all of these themes and all of those teenage rom-com-esque movies have these themes of being very relatable to people in that age because I mean people of that age are scared and trying to figure out who they are all the time but to have the solution be presented in Greece as the way that you fit in the way that you figure out who you are is you change yourself to fit the people around you you take what you want instead of communicate and all of these elements and you bully people and you peer pressure people and that's how you fit in and that is such a flawed takeaway like it it's so important to feel seen and to have something that is relatable and have something that 
you watch and you go, oh, that's my experience. That's what I'm going through. I feel as, you know, churned up and and all over the place like that character. Oh, I guess I have to completely remake myself into something that I'm not in order to stop feeling that way. It's a terrible takeaway to have. And it's so rampant in so much of that culture right now of you fit in by changing. And I'm 27. I still struggle with this myself. I still struggle constantly with the idea that I can fit in perfectly well in the world with exactly who I am is such a strange concept to try to accept. But it just, you know, logically makes complete sense. But actual reality is so hard to implement. Yeah, I definitely agree. Thank you for bringing all of that up because those are very important points. And you mentioned before, this movie could have had such a great ending. It could have had such a great takeaway. It could have made those messages positive. Somebody could have watched this and said, you know, I need to communicate when I'm feeling this way. Or as an example, in that dance scene, Cha-Cha just kind of wedges her way in and instead of questioning questioning it or stopping what was happening because everybody would have seen Danny just kind of goes with it and Sandy leaves and understandably she's visibly upset and it's never really solved. It was brushed off. It was never talked about. The feelings were kind of invalidated because there's no communication happening. And I think that communication is something that does get brushed off a lot. It's hard to do. Communication is difficult but it is also sometimes very necessary. Yeah, oftentimes it's kind of the foundation of a healthy relationship. It absolutely is. Yeah, I feel like they had a lot of opportunities in the film to confront that because it's not necessarily that you shouldn't have those those negative themes in a film because it's true, it happens. It, it exists in the world and it's something that people can relate to. But to have the solutions to those awful things that happen, be brush it off and move on, get frustrated about it, take stuff, bully. Those are the, the solutions to those hard things that are realistic happening is such a bad takeaway for a pop culture media even if they went back to i mean quote unquote the original kind of musical adaption that i read some information about because again this is stuff that does happen but putting it in a positive light is the problem really having a piece of work that is relatable and realistic is important even if it's really dark and gritty and hard because it helps people feel seen but to put a positive spin on the negative outcomes is the real problem so even if they went back and they made it to the old theme and made it darker and more dramatic and gritty and not positive about these things. Realistic, but not putting a a happy spin on the sort of awful stuff that's happening. That would be a huge change. It could have essentially the same plot line in a lot of ways and be better. The plot and the storyline, I think it's very entertaining. It's very realistic. These are things that happen all the time. But if we are not framing it as okay or normal or funny, I think it'd be definitely a different takeaway. Like you said, what do you think people watching should keep in mind while they're consuming media that could help lessen some of these potential negative impacts? Well, that's a tricky question, actually. I would say I think it's always a good idea when consuming media to keep an open mind in the sense of questioning things that are going on, really being in tune with gut instinct of generally, if I watch something, I I see something and I go, oh, that was uncomfortable. And then generally my 
my brain reaction might be to say, well, other people probably think it's okay, so I might as well and move on. But to, to keep an open mind to those reactions and to trust your instinct and to talk about the stuff you see in media culture with other people, because a lot of times other people are also thinking the same way and aren't necessarily broadcasting it. And yeah, to have a, a community that you can connect with who will support whatever is going on. Having people around who you trust to check you is always important. It's like, oh, I watched Grease the other night and man, that was such a good film. And having someone around who you trust to say, well, was it? I love that. I think that that is very important if we are questioning those things that we're seeing instead and having those conversations. And we do have a support system and a community where it's okay to question these things and have these conversations and be vulnerable. I think that that can make all the difference. I'd like to thank Pepin for being our guest speaker this month and having this conversation about relationships and how watching the examples given in media has impacted him growing up and some of the things to keep in mind while we're watching our favorite shows and movies. You have been listening to Relationship Rewind. I'm your host, Carrie Clark, and I hope you'll join us again next month on the third Tuesday from 4.30 to 5, where we will be continuing this conversation and breaking down another relationship in popular media. You can also listen to our live stream or subscribe to our podcast at weru.org or on the WERU smartphone app. If you are a young person in Maine who is interested in being a guest speaker on the show, have ideas of media we could talk about, or you know of a young person who might be interested, please reach out to me at cclark at nextstepdvproject.org. As mentioned, you can call Next Steps 24-7 and free helpline at 1-800-315-5579 for more support or more information about power and control in relationships and resources available to you. If you'd like to reach out for support, but you're not sure who to call, you can call 211 to find which resource may be helpful for you and to be connected with them.